0: Welcome to the Knox Podcast. Today, Pastor Justin continues his Advent series entitled Christmas in the Psalms. The Old Testament is full of prophecies about the coming of Messiah, but the Psalms are especially rich in anticipation of Christ's coming. Psalm 89 reminds us that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will come from the lineage of David. When we examine Jesus' ancestors, we are startled by how many unworthy people, from a human point of view, are named both on Mary's side, which established the bloodline of Christ, and Joseph, who gives Jesus the legal right to reign on David's throne. Join Pastor Justin as he opens the meaning of this and the true meaning of Christmas. Let's open up our Bibles today to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. If I could sandwich myself in among the uh, donkeys and everything else here. Thank you, boys and girls. Thank you for the choir that was, that was mixed up, but in the best of ways. Truly love to hear the Christmas story shared over and over again. Let's rise as we read just the first four verses today of Psalm 89. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Selah. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come into the Christmas season, Lord, there's, there's the atmosphere of it that we love, but at the core of all the songs, all the festivities, all the family get together, Lord, is your steadfast love and faithfulness. I just pray that today we hear that, we understand that, and we drink that into our lives, the truth from your scripture. Please illuminate these words of your psalms in your name. Amen please have a seat. I want you for just a moment to put yourself in the shoes of a pastor at Christmas time. I know probably most of you haven't even thought about it, but it's one of the times of the year we actually dread as pastors, and this is why. There's only so much in the Bible about Christmas. And yet, every year we're expected to come up with maybe four or five sermons about the Christmas story. And so, imagine just—you know—we've we, analyzed the shepherds, all of these. You know, we've done the wise men. We've done every verse, every iota. We're always looking for a new angle, just a, some fresh perspective on what is really a very well-known story. And so, you know, that's okay. That's our burden to bear, and. God, of course, gives us a lot of material in the Bible that revolves around Christmas in different ways, which is why we're going to the Psalms this year. But I think it's really interesting that pastors, being as desperate and hungry as they are for any material on the Christmas story, ignore two very large passages in the birth narrative about Jesus. Two very large sections in Matthew and Luke that almost never get preached on. You never see a pageant as awesome as this pageant was. You never see a pageant covering. You don't even see it on Charlie Brown's Christmas special. And what I'm talking about is, of course, the genealogies. Those lists of names that everybody kind of just blips right through, right? Those those long lists of all of Jesus' ancestors. And so we have in Matthew chapter one, Luke chapter three, these long lists. And we read stuff like this. And Ralph begat Theodore, who begat Otto, who took a light nap, went did some grocery shopping before he begat Herbert, and so on and so forth. And your eyes just glaze over as you read through this. Some people will be reading the, the material in Luke. And Luke just puts it right at the end of chapter 3. And you're like, come on, Luke. Get back to the story. That's what I was interested in. I want to read the story of Jesus. I don't want to stop and have to read what's basically the end credit scroll of a movie, right? Who, there. Have you ever seen the second Muppet movie where they, they used to do the credits before the movie? And so the credits are going and going and going, and Kerm, uh, Fozzie's like, Kermit, does anybody even care? He's, he's like, all these people got families, right? right? like It matters to the people who have families. But when we read these, these names in the Bible, we go, well, it probably mattered to them, does it matter to us? Why is this in the Bible at all? I once had a pastor, I remember this very clearly, tell his congregation, gave his congregation permission. He said, Anytime you get to a genealogy in the Bible, these long lists of names, feel free to just skip right over it. And that never sat right with me. I thought, well, if all of Scripture is given to us as a gift of God's Word for our understanding, our edification, our learning, our spiritual growth, why would God give us large sections of the Bible that are effectively, you can just skip right over? It's not meant for that. So we need to study this. God obviously thought it was important for us to know this list of Jesus' ancestors. Not only did he put it in there once, but twice. And if he put it in there twice, there has to be a story in there. There has to be something for us to understand. Because the genealogies do tell a story. You just have to work hard for it. But when you do and you put in the work, you find out that Matthew 1, Luke 3 are actually integral to showing us that Jesus is a story worth sharing. Well, if we go back in Jesus' lineage and we trace all the way back to maybe the midpoint of all of his ancestors, we will arrive somewhere in the Psalms. And it's here in Psalms, hundreds of years before the babe was lying in the manger, But we'll find that even back then, people were eager to pass on the story, that they knew something special was coming. They knew a Messiah had been promised, and they wanted to pass on that story. In Psalm 89, the psalm writer right here, he he lays out his thesis right away. He says, I am on a mission to share this story, not just with the people who are a part of my generation, but to generations to come, to the kids and the grandkids, all these all the younger people, I want them to learn it so that they will in turn share this story. And the story he wants to share is of God's love and faithfulness. God's love and faithfulness. These are at the core of everything you see in Jesus' ministry, isn't it? Everything he does is about being loving to the people he's made and also faithful to the God who sent him on this, this mission. These two things, love and faithfulness, go so well together. I love love a good pairing. I love a good pairing. We have two really good things, but when you put them together, they become even more amazing. Chocolate peanut butter. Great on their own. Maybe, Maybe you differ on this, but put them together, they are amazing. My mom used to make these little chocolate peanut butter, I don't know what you call them here in Ohio, we called them Buckeyes. They were these Christmas cookies that were basically a ball of peanut butter covered by chocolate. Uh, your, Your dentist thanked you for that later, right? And we love the two pairing of those. But even better than chocolate and peanut butter is love and faithfulness. Love on its own is great. It's terrific. It fills you with warmth. You know somebody cares about you. Faithfulness is awesome because you can depend on somebody. You know that what they say will happen because they are faithful to make it happen. But when you combine it together, what do you end up with? A love that is faithfully kept, faithfully applied to you, not just sporadically, not just conditional on whether or not you're being loving in return that day, but faithful to your entire life and throughout all subsequent generations. That's why this combination is so great. That's why it's something worth sharing. In Psalm 89, verse 2, we read here, the psalmist is just overwhelmed the more he thinks about God's loving faithfulness the more he just considers that every day God is adding on to the stockpile of love that he already has for us. God already started with a lot of love, but he says every day he's adding more. Let me reread this. He says, for I said, this is God saying it, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You ever heard that, that little math problem? Like if you, somebody gave you a penny And you went to a very special bank and deposited that penny. And they said, every day, we will double what you have. How fast it would take for you to become a billionaire or a trillionaire. It would would take less than a month of taking that one penny and doubling it every single day. But the psalmist is more amazed than this. He says, God has this stockpile of love and every day, he keeps adding to it forever. That means when we're in heaven, a million years, God will still be building up the love toward us, and it will never cease. Yet there's something interesting in Psalm 89. We start out, we go, wow, this guy is just on fire about God's love and this faithfulness and this combination. We think this is a psalm of praise. This is a song of adoration, and it's not at all. We went on and read Psalm 89. We'd read later that this is very far from a psalm of happiness. This is a psalm of distress. This is the song equivalent of somebody shooting up a flare gun sitting in a little lifeboat off the Titanic hoping that somebody will see and rescue. Because as the psalm goes on, we see like some context here that there's a crisis in Israel. There's some genuine fear and despair going on. There's been some speculation that this was written on the eve of an imminent invasion of the country. And so as he's writing this, The psalmist is very concerned that any day now an enemy army or some major crisis is going to end the line of David. That whatever kings, whatever royalty this country has left, it's going to be wiped out very, very quickly. And this uh, this is a problem. This is a huge problem. Because if we go back and we look at verses 3 and 4, what's the promise that the psalmist is saying again to God? He says, God, you made a promise to David. In 1 Samuel 7, you said that your line, David's line would continue forever and that eventually there would become a a king, not just a normal human king, but a king that would sit on the throne of not only Israel, but the whole world. And not just for a lifetime, but forever. That out of David's line would come this king. And this is the king we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah we have been waiting for. And his fear is that David's line will end prematurely. And if this line ends, there will be no more promise. There will be no more king. There will be no more Messiah. And so there's this fear here in Psalm 89. And that's why he shoots up this flare. The psalmist is saying, God, I'm going to continue singing. I'll keep on singing about your steadfast love. I'll keep teaching the next generation about how amazing you are. But God, you've got to remember your promise. You can't forget what you promised us, even in this dark night where this country might be taking o- taken over. You have to remember, you promised us a king. Don't forget. Don't let this line die out. That's what Psalm 89 is all about. But of course we know we have the benefit of amazing hindsight living in the 21st century, of having the entire Bible, of knowing that's not what happened. The line of David was not li- wiped out. God was not proven to be a liar. He was not proven to be weak. We know this because of what? The genealogies of Matthew and Luke. Matthew and Luke show an unbroken, uninterrupted line that went from David, father to son to grandson to great-grandson to great-great-grandson, and so on, all the way down to Jesus. Right here in the Gospels, we have this proof that Psalm 89, the writer of Psalm 89 would have loved to have had this proof that God was faithful to his promise, that he was loving to us in the end. That is a story worth sharing. But I'll tell you, the genealogies share even more than that. It's commonly thought, when you look at the two genealogies, you'll notice they are a little bit different from each other. It's commonly thought that Matthew traces the genealogy of Joseph and Luke of Mary. Matthew's genealogy starts with Abraham. And it goes all the way to Jesus. Of course, what is Matthew's focus in his gospel? He's focused on Jesus being the fulfillment of all of these Old Testament prophets. You can't stumble over a verse in Matthew without Matthew said, and this happened because to fulfill the prophecy said back here, and this prophecy, and this prophecy, and this prophecy. So of course, Matthew would start with Abraham, with this promise this prophecy that God gave to Abraham saying, out of you, out of all these countless descendants, I will raise up one to be a Messiah, to be a Savior. And so Matthew's focus on that, and he follows that family line from Abraham all the way to Jesus to see that that promise did indeed come true. But if you look at Luke chapter 3, you'll find that Luke is he's a bit of a contrarian. I think we have some contrarians here, right? Somebody says, you turn left, you'll go right every time. Nobody tells you what to do. So everybody in the Bible, they do every genealogy starts from oldest to newest, except for Luke chapter 3, where Luke starts with Jesus. And then he steps back one generation. And he says, well, Jesus is father. And then it you know, goes back and back and back and back and back, all the way to Adam, and then back one step further to God. It's a really interesting genealogy to study. It's a backwards genealogy. And we see that there's some themes here in his look at who Jesus' lineage was. We see themes of adoption. That Jesus was adopted by Joseph. He is not Joseph's biological son. Yet Joseph adopted him into his family, loved him as a son, treated him as a son. Mary was adopted into the family of Joseph. That's what would happen when you women would become married to men in the biblical times, that they would effectively become adopted into that family. They would leave their family to join their husband's family. And they would become adopted into that. And then if you look all the way back, all the way to the beginning of that genealogy, you would see that mankind, God's people, became adopted by God. Which is why David, or where Luke makes that additional point that before Abraham... And it was Adam before Adam was God. God adopted his people. But when we look at both of these genealogies, we also see something else that's interesting. That between the beginning and the end, between God the Father and God the Son, is a whole parade of people that are scandalous, that are scoundrels, that we know from the Bible that we can trust to be true. All these people were sinners. All these people were failures to become righteous. So it's a parade of people that failed to live up to the glory of God. A parade of people who are vile in their own ways. And so we see a parade of people who have, and excuse of French, but I can say this literally, they have no hope in hell of saving themselves. And why, why do we find that interesting? Because if we took those people by themselves, we say that this person is going to fall and they're going to fall right into hell. They're going to fall into destruction. But now they're in this genealogy, and by listing all these people, Matthew and Luke said, look at these people. They're not perfect, they're not holy, they're not righteous on their own. But because of that last, or in Luke's case, first name on that list, they are made righteous. They are redeemed. They are loved, and they are saved. It's a parade of imperfect people that the God-man came down on Christmas to rescue I know my mo- mother loves me uh, for a number of reasons, but I know because she loves to share stories about me. She shares the same four stories at every dinner party I think she's ever gone to. And mom, if you're listening to this now, you're nodding your head because you know it's the truth. Two of the four stories I cannot repeat in church ears. They're not suitable for all audiences. Uh, they just amuse my mom greatly. But she will tell the same stories. One of the stories she will always tell, she'll say, Well, I remember when Justin was in third grade, the teacher asked for somebody to recite the alphabet backwards. So Justin raised his hand and stood up, turned around and said, A, B, C, D. (laughs) I thought I was so clever. Obviously, yeah. I was ready to be a dad. I had the dad jokes going a long time. But my point is, my mom loves me. And she says that stories are worth sharing about me. When you love somebody, you love to share stories about them. But when we love God, when we love what Jesus, who he is, what he has done for us, it's not just a story worth sharing. It's a story that demands to be shared. Because we're so astounded with who he is. We're so overwhelmed with what he's done in our lives, and that relationship he has for us. And When we look at these genealogies and we realize every single name on that list, even if we don't know who they are, every single one of those people passed down the story of the coming Messiah from father to son, from mother to daughter, generation to generation to generation. They're like, you guys, it's, he's coming. We don't know when. But this Messiah, He's going to be amazing. He's going to save the people from their sins. He's going to be the consolation of Israel. He's going to restore to us the throne of Israel. He's going to restore to us hope. And they waited because they knew something amazing was going to happen. And now that it's arrived, now that we know who the Messiah is, now that we have a relationship with Him, we can in turn turn around and pass down our story to future generations. Not one person in this church today will be around forever unless the Lord comes again on this earth, I mean. So we only have a limited amount of time to pass our story on, to take the story of Jesus, who he is in your life, your testimony, how you encountered him, what verses of the Bible truly mean the most to you, what really impresses you about him, why do you love Jesus? And turn around and share that story with somebody else. Pass it on. Don't keep it to yourself. 1 Corinthians 15 summarized all of the genealogies of Matthew and Luke. When Paul wrote this, he said, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. Thus it is written, the first man Adam became a living being, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. This is how Paul expresses his story of who Jesus is to him, a life-giving spirit. I didn't get my life through the first Adam. I got the curse of sin through him. But through the last Adam, I get to live forever with a God who loves me forever, with a God who's stockpiling up that love for me forever. That's the story that we need to pass down. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We adore you. We adore your story. We adore the genealogies, these men, and women, children of faith. The Lord, they heard your story and they wanted to pass it down. They held on to the hope and the promise that you made true on that Christmas morning when you sent your son to come into the world, to love the world, to die for the world, and to bring your redeemed home to you. Lord, we just ask that you make these words alive. We ask that Lord, those hearts that are out in this community right now that have been hard towards you, that you would soften, you would make ready to hear the story this Christmas. That you would bring them to you, bring them to their knees. Have them hold up their hands and say, Lord, I am not worthy of you. But if you will have mercy upon me, I would have you in my heart. We pray for that this season. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. To reach out to Pastor Justin or to request prayer, Send an email to pastor at knoxypc.com, or write to him at Knox Church, 2595 Elmwood Avenue, Kenmore, New York, 14217. Join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30am, either in person, or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Visit our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at knoxypc.